0: This episode is made possible by our generous patrons. To learn more, visit patreon.com forward slash ink film. Welcome to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book, and then
1: see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week, we cover chapters 9 through 16 of Gillian Flynn's 2006 novel, Sharp Objects. back in the book chapters 9 through 16 so not quite the full novel we, we left off a couple there at the end but quite a bit of it and and a lot is revealed so i do want to go ahead and put out that spoiler warning
0: yeah i mean i can't even believe how far along it got actually i thought i didn't think we were going to get such i feel like we know a lot more than than we thought we were going to leaving two <laughs> yeah. chapters uh on still
1: yeah, I think that there is another shoe to drop, but we can we can get to that.
0: I think we got a twist incoming.
1: There's something coming. Um how full a twist or how what, we don't know, but we'll get into it. Um but yeah, there's gonna be full spoilers for for what we've read. Um, which if you're if you're not a book reader and you're just watching the show, be aware. <laughs> um but yeah, hopefully I mean hopefully this will appeal to the hardcore book readers who who've come along for this journey. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it.
0: And I mean, props to them because this book is is amazing. It's worth the read. Yeah, I thought so too. Well, I think so. I mean, so we get got a little bit late to go. <laughs> <laughs> what if we just loved it the whole way through and then just could not get on board with the ending? Yeah. I don't see yeah. that happening, but I we'll see. I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I
1: did want to say that we're going. I am going to Worldcon this week. And in fact, when this comes out, will be the day that I'm flying to San Jose, uh, which is uh, a big fantasy convention. And uh, I'm going to be giving out ribbons there that say the book was better. So if anybody... Uh, wants to get one who might be listening to this come find me there I'm going to be promoting the podcast uh, just kind of walking around also as a as a fan and as a writer and just trying to like go to panels and, and learn what I can but yeah I just want to mention that I will be in San Jose this weekend
0: yeah and if you want to put a little piece of tape over a book on the <laughs> ribbon and put film then that's fine with me oh <laughs> uh, man yeah I wonder uh I wonder how
1: that would go at the at this book convention <laughs> not great <laughs> not um. great yeah. But yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, I'm already getting some some reactions on Twitter. It seems like people think it's going to be a fun ribbon. And, you know, maybe it'll s- spur some conversations and stuff, Which yeah. which is always good. All right. So are you ready to get into chapter nine? I'm ready. I almost want every chapter to be named a different single word just like the you know the TV shows episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we d- we don't get that but yeah. it almost it, al- it would have been cool.
0: I have to assume that that all of the words uh that we get for episode titles are are written on her body somewhere. Do you think oh, so yeah. too? yeah. No no, no definitely. So yeah. uh, we should talk about that at some point. The words just have a totally I feel like they have like a different uh use or like a different role to play in the book than they do in the show. A little okay. bit. Okay. Well, expa- uh, let's go ahead and expand on that. So, what do you mean? I mean, basically, like, she gets flashes of, like, heat over her scars. And, like, she feels she, like, it makes whenever she... It, it's, it would be really hard to portray. But, like, in the first episode of the of the show, Vanish, like, it glows. And I felt like that was a good example of, like, kind of what's happening throughout the book to her. Because yeah. if something happens, she'll think of a word that she had cut into herself at some point, And I don't know. It feels more visceral. Like, it feels like something that, like it's just like a word comes to her mind and then she feels it somewhere on her body and it's like some like stimulation or something in her in her brain shoots down to wherever that scar is it's kind of cool
1: yeah it gives you a cool insight into you know the state of mind she is in and why she like why she cut those words and, and how that you know illness i guess you could call it of the mind (laughs) like how that manifests for her right like it it makes sense i I wonder how much the show is going to get into the psychology of why she cuts the word she does it'll it'll be interesting to see how they handle it because like you said it's a different medium and so it's going to be harder to portray the way
0: a word like really flares up when it's appropriate to Mm a scene they could just cut to it like her her glance at it or something but i don't know i feel like that'd be it would be a lot for the audience to get on board with if every time something happened she glanced at a scar on her body somewhere yeah i think they're gonna have to just leave it more as subtext but yeah
1: all right let's get into chapter nine here so adora is pruning roses uh and and she's pruning the imperfect ones she's putting them on a tray for uh, for gala the uh the house servant or whatever, I guess you'd call it. Um, yeah. Uh, Camille comes out and has this interaction with her and, and where she says she wants the ro- the imperfect roses to be in her room. Mm-hmm. And, and Nora's like, why would you want them? They're, they're, they're trash basically. Um, which I think is kind of a cool little metaphorical conversation going on here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she remembers her mother talking to different sales ladies about her father and how that was like the only time Camille ever heard her mother talk about her father. And which is not Alan, as we covered in the last one. Um, so I don't know. It was interesting, and and they're they're at a a store trying to get a new dress right for Camille, and the dresses that her mother keeps wanting her to try on reveal like too many of her scars. And there's this weird thing because it's like you'd think Adora would know that, but she like insists upon it anyway.
0: I almost felt like she like pushed it out of her mind to the point that she would be like try this dress on, and then she like came out showing a bunch of her she was like come out and show it to me and and camille was like I don't want to and then she was like just do it and so she came out and then was like she was like horrified and then she chose something really long sleeve and covering for her yeah
1: yeah not only was she horrified she said I hope you just loved it I hope you can stand yourself uh which you know what I mean like we see her mother I I contend that her mother is made out to be just like I mean she's bad in the show but she's like 10 to 20 percent worse in the book Mm-hmm. and this kind of vicious stuff she says i mean maybe we'll get just get more of it as the show progresses but this this kind of thing is just so vicious to say and, and so we see just her mother kind of delighting and, and causing i mean it's emotional abuse right and she's she's delighting in the emotional abuse she uh she's causing we do stu- we do get Amma also this is the first time she sees which by the way is it Amma or Amma? i say Amma. you say ama yeah I feel like I use both interchangeably. <laughs> in the in these episodes, I think I've 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 thrown both out there. So maybe different characters say it differently in the show, which would throw me if that was true. Maybe. Um anyway, so Ama sees her scars for the first time and seems like I don't know, almost entranced by them. Like she really really is fascinated by these scars and like wants to like stare at them more. It's kind of a, I mean, her fascination is is creepy and <laughs> she continues to be a really messed up character and it's interesting to see Camille throughout the course of these chapters kind of start to feel sorry for her. We'll I guess we'll get into that as it goes, but it's 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 quite a quite a arc here we're getting. Um so they're back at the house and Meredith Wheeler and John Keane come to the house and she's wearing her cheerleader outfit and that was kind of like a signal to me it's like oh this is going to be that scene from the from the show and it is. Although the, she has more of a reason this time. It's actually for an event or something, she says. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the show, she's just like, sometimes I get to feel inspirited. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, I don't know, it's almost funnier. So John is described as being almost androgynous and very beautiful. And they have this conversation. Uh, we learn that Ama is basically runs her school. Meredith tries to cover for him, for John. And Camille basically at the end of it says she thinks he's innocent. He seems innocent. She does. They do learn about Natalie gouging a girl's eyes, which, by the way, in the book, it's both eyes, not just one. It wasn't just like a one time stabbing. It was like repeated stabs to the eyes. Um, so a little bit more intense in the book. And how uh, Natalie, who, who is one of the victims, um, had to get therapy therapy about it. And basically they they moved to Wind Gap to get away from this, like, you know, thing that happened. So next up, a woman named Angie Lacey invites Camille over, and uh, it's, Angie is like an old friend of hers, or quote-unquote friend, somebody she used to know, know back in school, and she decides to go over basically to learn more details, because she knows it's going to be this like gossip fest, right? And this is something we see her do repeatedly in this book, like go hang out with women who are gossiping just to learn more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When Angie gets there, we find out that a bunch of her former quote-unquote friends are here, like uh, Katie, Rebecca, Angie, Tish, Mimi... I wasn't sure who would be important, so I wrote down all their names. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of talk about how everybody wants children, more children, and Camille like kind of escapes to the kitchen to keep her distance, and we can feel her being, you know,
0: being made uncomfortable by this conversation. She has no children. She also mentions that like she knows how these like conversations, this bickering back and forth and gossiping like eventually like devolves into like these arguments and stuff between these people. So yeah. she's like hiding out there, waiting it out. And then somebody else, doesn't somebody else meet her in the kitchen? Yeah,
1: which somebody else is kind of on to that this is going to happen. Uh, but when she goes back out, they've switched over to talking about the murders. Katie basically c- accuses Camille of defending Ama. And she's she gets very patronizing and starts making Camille feel bad for not crying about the kids. And saying, basically she basically says, if you don't have children, you don't know what it'd be like to, you know, to lose one and all this stuff, right? So very patronizing and eventually kind of runs Camille out. Um it, this is like a more example of women just being um harsh to each other and that's something that Gillian Flynn has said that she likes to do in her work, right? Like show women
0: being villainous. Mm-hmm. And I definitely get that feeling here like these women are being terrible to one another. I also felt like it was like kind of a little it was unwarranted because she obviously had lost a sister. So it's it's not the same but it's similar. Like she it's not like she doesn't know what loss is like or like can empathize with the fact that somebody lost someone.
1: You know and I like the um I really like getting this perspective. This is a different kind of thing than what you get, you know, from a male writer. It's just going to happen. And I love getting this kind of like inside perspective of these friend groups of women and how vicious they can be and it's told from someone who has experienced it, right? Like you can tell Um, so there's an authenticity there and I don't know. I think it's just, you know, this, this book could not have been written by a man. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would, I would contend there's just too much caught up in, in this kind of stuff that just rings so true. I don't know. I, it's, it's been a really cool experience and and it's definitely a different perspective as much as we can compare it to Stephen King that the, you know, it was a much more about what it's like to be a boy growing up. Right. Yeah. And, and much less of this. I don't know, it's really fascinating stuff.
0: That's why I love diverse stories, you know what I mean? That's why we yeah. like to hear from different perspectives and cuz cuz without that we would never we wouldn't as readers be able to experience these stories ever because yeah. the their voices I, need to be heard in order to live those different lives with those characters.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, I love that about reading and about, you know, watching films too and and especially about this kind of subject matter and i guess what i'm trying to say is i like i i like putting myself in other people's shoes and if they're very different than me it's an opportunity for me to learn right and to understand and see the world from that perspective uh, i don't know it's cool and, and you know it's something that i think there's been a lot of studies about people who read being more empathetic and i think this is like an example of like you know it's kind of the dark side of that because you can see, but it's like you can understand the trauma that other people are different than you are going through that you haven't been exposed to
0: yeah, definitely.
1: So we do see Camille feeling the urge to cut after this. She thinks of the word barren, um, which is on her. And this is what you were talking about. Like it calls out to her and she f- she feels like she needs to cut it. Her skin is screaming, she says, right? Um, really interesting stuff. So,
0: And and we also know that she has like a like a, a spot on her body somewhere that like she's been saving. Or she was like she's saying like it's the only spot left kind of. Mm-hmm. And which which makes me, like, wor- like throughout the book, I'm just worried. It's a, it's a reason for the author to make me worried that she's going to cut again because she has this one spot that she never touched, and it's, like, ready to be cut. Yeah. So uh, back at the
1: house, uh, Alma comes into her room and notices that Camille has been crying, and she seems to be trying to glimpse her scars again. And she brings her a joint, and she mentions that sometimes I can't be nice, but right now I can be. And so she's, we get this real, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde act going on for mama all the time right especially when she's around her friends where she turns into this monster but then she can try and be sweet when she's basically you know up close and personal with with camille and i don't know i mean what what's the act and what's the truth i think Mm -hmm. is the real question here like is she really that girl that you know showing off to her friends or is she really this more sweet girl that she pretend you know is is pretends to
0: be yeah you can tell which way i'm leaning uh well that's what i was gonna say is that i think it's i think it's um flynn did it on purpose to where you could see her potentially being this empathetic girl who like has to put on this front around her friends as like a survival instinct. Yeah. But also at the same time, maybe she is un- like evil underneath and then putting on an act to trick Camille. So I, I don't yeah. really know where I-, I, mean, I, honestly think that I lean on her being more innocent yeah. and it sounds like you lean on her being more evil with, with like malicious intent.
1: Yeah. I mean evil in- and not in the biblical sense, but in the sense of like, she's someone who's been so twisted by her upbringing and you know maybe has you know psychopathic tendencies that she's inherited and we've seen that maybe you know <laughs> in her mother and mm-hmm. i i just think yeah i think well, i mean we'll get there but i feel like the other shoe to drop you know early theory, theory crafting here <laughs> i think it's ama i think she's she's caught up in this more than being just kind of an innocent victim which is how So far in what we've read, it seems like she's being cast as. Um, I just see too much authentic viciousness from her, you know, and like repeatedly to where I feel like this book is telling us um, there's something more going on here.
0: I don't know. I mean, and you you talked about in another episode how it's like this, like I think it was the first book episode you even read a poem about it where it's like the the passing down of of certain traits and and like taking on those attributes that maybe – you know, people who raised you had, and, uh, I don't know, is, and then yeah. there's also the other, the, the other option of, like, she's being, you know, manipulated by, by Adora, and also potentially drugged by Adora, and yeah. maybe, like, that has something to do with it, like, her different moods shifts, and.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that, but what you were talking about, we do learn more about, and over the course of these chapters, we learn more about the grandmother, who seems like she was extremely abusive towards Adora. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this like cycle of abuse, which you read about being kind of put on display here. So chapter ten begins with a story that sh- that Camille has written and sent to to Curry about about the dead girls, basically going over what they what what is known. Um, we learned that there's laundry forever churning in the house and uh, in the basement, which comes up again later. And I don't know. I I wanted to get your. I mean, we can take take a moment to get theoretical here. What uh? What do you think that could metaphorically be representing, the idea of the churning, like the forever
0: churning laundry in this house? Hmm. I hadn't even thought of it. Maybe uh, something about um, uh, dirty, like needing to constantly like be cleaning this dirty, like guilty feeling or something. Um, yeah. especially like in the basement where it's hidden, and it's like constantly trying to to I don't know have like a a cleaner exterior.
1: I like that, and and I like the idea that. There, yeah, this this house is basically constantly producing filth, right? That has to be cleaned. But I think, you know, in another sense, I, I kept thinking of um, kind of like a beating heart. Because to me, like, you know, like there's like that cyclical sound from from like a washing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes the house feel sort of alive in my mind. The idea that there's always this kind of noise well, like deep within makes the house feel like this almost like living entity, um, which is just kind of a cool... I don't know, thought about how it could, you know, maybe it represents that in her mind she thinks about her childhood growing up there and all this stuff. Like, it it makes it larger than life, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Right. Or like a monster. Right. Is what it makes me think of.
1: Yeah. So Meredith calls her, calls Camille, and she's angry about being left out of the story. And she says she practically owns John and is is upset that she was not named in this story that came out, right? And she says, I know even more about John that I haven't told you. So Adora, uh, when, when, when Camille comes downstairs, Adora is snuggling with Amma on the porch. And uh, Adora says that Amma is sick and has worried herself into a fever. And Camille thinks like, oh, it's just a hangover because she knows that she got drunk the night before. So and, and the, the more we learn later, maybe it's more ominous, right? Yeah. So next Camille sees Richard, uh, finds out that he read the story as well. And he's being a bit flirty, and he offers the three questions deal that we got in the show, where where he'll answer three questions. And he admits that they haven't found a kill site for the girls yet. And they go into the woods, uh, first to an ancient schoolhouse. Uh, ancient, well, you know, whatever, old. Uh, it's covered in graffiti. Uh, Camille has, is telling him that this is basically a kid's hangout. And they start talking about their dating history. Camille says she hasn't had a lot of boyfriends. She says that Richard doesn't bore her, which is something she likes about him, I guess. Uh, And she admits to coming here as a kid. And I wrote down, Richard is not as charming in the book version (laughs) as he is in the show. Uh, He's a lot more flirty and a lot more forward. And he seems less interested in her,
0: maybe more just like horny. Well, also, I mean, it's a little bit like as we get further along, maybe you're sensing something that Richard was doing early on in the context of their relationship or their friendship what do you mean we come to find out that and richard admits that like their relationship originally he was trying to get information about adora so maybe you're sensing that like he really that's like his goal like he's meeting with her and flirting with her to kind of in the same way she flirts with people around town to get information out of them Um, yeah and then like it develops into something more maybe yeah
1: but i still i don't know i he, he he basically says also this is the thing that did it for me when they're there, he says, oh, yeah, I've been here before. I actually know all about this place. I only had you take me here because I wanted to be alone with you. Yeah, that was a little and weird. And that's, like, pretty creepy. Like, that's, like, a I don't know. Like, that's quite a mislead, you know, like, to have someone take you out to a, like, abandoned freaking schoolhouse in the woods all under a pretense and then just go, yeah, I actually already knew all about this place. I don't know. It was creepy. And it was,
0: it was like, it makes him seem, did you feel like it made him feel uh, well informed as a detective though? Or like, yeah, he does seem to be kind of on top of it, which I don't
1: know. I don't know. I just like, I I guess I'm just coming down to where so far in the book. And I just really like show version of Richard better. Yeah. He, he, this version of Richard, I I don't really care for. And I, I, you know what I mean? I, I'm not saying he's a better character in the show, but he's more likable in the show. I can see. And that. And yeah. where I didn't feel bad for him at all for throughout the rest of this book, you know, because to me at this point, I'm like, I kind of fuck this guy. Like, I don't know. So I don't know. That's just where I'm at, I guess. So he says that the girls were both. He reveals that the girls were both dead before their, their teeth were taken out. And Camille keeps picturing a woman's hand on the pliers, which is telling. Richard shares his thought uh, thoughts about the different suspects. Goes over different ones. Basically, he's he seems to favor the idea of John being the killer. That's like his main suspect,
0: mm-hmm. but he
1: doesn't say that here yet. Um, and then, yeah, they uh, a very similar scene of the old you know hand down the pants. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, quite, it's a little different in the book, though. It's, you know, it's Richard kind of just like, I think he takes the initiative, right? Whereas in, in the show, it is quite different. Uh, it's more of her choosing for this to happen. So mm-hmm. again, just this is more examples of Richard being a different character here. So when they get home, uh, Adora, or when Camille gets home, Adora is waiting up for her. And she has this like picture of, you know, of of, uh, what is it, like Amaretto Sours or something she's made. And they have they have this conversation, and she says, "I think I I realize why I don't love you. You remind me of my mother." And <laughs> this is more of just Adora being super vicious, right?
0: Yeah, I mean that's like it's so telling. And I don't know, she she just seems just so despicable in the book, like you said. She's yeah. like outwardly saying like I never loved you, even as a kid. And then and then you feel for Camille, and Camille is like, "Well, I was a I was a kid. Like I don't deserve that. And how could I have known?" that i reminded you of your mom and how is that my fault kind of
1: adora even says that the girls referring to the two girls who were killed that she was close to them because she wanted to feel closer to her and she says that even as a baby camille wouldn't eat and that was like her
0: first act of defiance yeah, yeah.
1: and then she even says like why why did marion die and not you mm-hmm. uh, so uh i just wrote wow <laughs> all caps so uh yeah super vicious and i i said this ver- this version of adora seems far worse and, and you know and like i said maybe we're gonna get more of this in the later episodes of the show mm-hmm. uh maybe they're just kind of like being like a slower reveal of how awful adora is and she then says one day i'll carve my name there and she points and she's talking about her, like the spot on her back where there's like n- nothing
0: carved yet which is super fucked that's so weird yeah. to say and like uh I don't know. Yeah, this is like, this is, this is some serial killer shit to say. <laughs> uh, let's just say that.
1: I, I was like, oh, man, that's, um yeah, something else. So Camille is, feels her sin screaming and wants to drown herself. And she's, you can see the kind of abuse this, this is and has been over the years. So next day, Camille sees the girls with Ama smoking joints and notices that John uh, is there. And they're like coming on to John, or especially Amma and he's just kind of not paying attention. She's taunting him at the same time and says, you know, it'll be your day one day. And so Camille kind of announces herself, walks up. Yeah, there's there's this line where Ama where Camille obs- while observing Ama says that she uses her sexuality like a weapon. Yeah. And
0: I just wanted to, you know, mention that cuz that was something that I s- th- said ex- specifically last episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely called that and she she does she does do that as well like she very clearly specifically to richard like that was the most explicit example i feel like we've seen so far
1: yeah well and here she's doing it to john right like right. she's like coming on to him but while also lobbing insults at him and saying that he's a baby killer and all this stuff and how his time's coming and she, yeah that like kind of i'm gonna be flirtatious with you but while also hurting you is like a pattern we see out of her a lot right so she goes inside and talks with meredith Meredith basically tells her that Alma is a very needy girl and Camille starts thinking about all the ugly things swirling under her clothes and that's just to me paying dividends like this metaphor and you know the metaphor of, of the words on her body like it could just continues to be a really compelling detail right and you can she can uh Gillian Flynn can use it in so many different ways
0: mm-hmm. well I mean and I, I would say that like it's super dark obviously and really like hard to think about as something yeah. but as far as, and I think you actually said something similar to this. But as far as like a character trait for a character to have something so, so specific for a character like this that like you, and like you're saying keeps playing, paying dividends with all these, all these ways that Flynn's able to articulate like this is how the character's feeling and this is how it references her past without giving us explicit detail about every single word. And we just have to... We know that there's like an, a a large cl- group of words and then it just becomes relevant like periodically.
1: So Meredith, then this is when Meredith reveals that she knows why the teeth were pulled or she says she does. And and Camille Camille's like, well, you know why? And she says the girls were biters that they would bite people all the time, do a lot of damage, and even reveals that half of her earlobe is missing and says that the girl even sw- like swallowed it. Um, so... <laughs> It's interesting, and then oh, we also get this, the, now here's a line, she says that Anne even bit your mother, Adora, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. this is this connection, and stuff starts falling into place for Camille here. I think this is when she truly starts to to uh, suspect Adora is behind this.
0: Yeah, and as she started to suspect, I want to say like where I was at as the reader, yeah. Um, I felt like the more that we thought, the more that Camille thought that she did it, the less I believed it. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because, like, you would think I—I I was just like, kind of not. I was trying to like guess where the story was going, and I yeah. kept being like, you know what, this is too—it's too obvious, it's too on the nose. And like as it goes, it pays off. But I just felt like I was like, we we like we picked it out pretty early on to for it to actually pay off in the, this way. But we still haven't finished the book or the or the show. So
1: yeah, well, and this also this that's a fascinating thing about these kind of mysteries, right? Because it has to be somebody. Why can't it be the person who seems the most terrible and who, you know what I mean? Like, from the beginning, we've been suspicious of. And it's like this postmodern mystery all of a sudden where we've come around on, like, we've gone through all the, you know, all the different mysteries over the years where it's, like, the least, you know, likely person. It's it's the janitor who nobody ever talks to. It's, you know what I mean? To it being one of the main characters. And, and we've we've seen it all. So nothing is truly surprising anymore but the a, a, a skilled mystery writer can play with reader expectations right and the fact that we don't want to believe it maybe that's something the 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 author can toy with right like she's going to keep showing us evidence and we're going to keep going no, nah, it nah, can't be her can't be her and right. it's almost like on a meta level because we're analyzing the mystery right and maybe that's like, maybe that's a, a way to toy with us. Cause it's like, no, it's been obvious from the beginning. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. And like that kind of stuff is something that mystery writers have to think about.
0: And I, I just like the way that Gillian Flynn handles that. Yeah. And I mean, the way that even, it, even if you pick out the character, it's always great when the author is able to still surprise you with details or, you know what I mean? You don't know, you might know the person, but you don't know the specifics and then surprise you with like how the events unfold. So it's still, you know what I mean? I'm not saying just because it is her, it doesn't make it any less, I don't know, interesting. Yeah.
1: Back at the house, uh, Camille calls Richard. And I thought it was interesting while she's talking to him on the phone, she keeps writing Richard Cop on her leg. We see this more in the book where she's writing in pen. And it's like a, it's like instead of cu- cutting, she's writing instead. It's like that's but it's the same compulsion, right? hmm. And they decide to meet at a bar uh, when they do talk. She's very flirty with him and she reveals the detail about the biting to him. And he he gets upset and wants to know her sources. She refuses to tell him, so then he leaves in a huff. When she gets home, Alan is waiting for her, and he I don't know it's kind of weird. Like and he 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 basically says you're making you're making your mother ill. And so Camille says that Adora is a liar, and then Alan re- reveals that Adora has told him that her mother, so Camille's grandmother, used to pinch her all the time, and Camille has this memory of of Adora doing that to her as well, right? To like see if she was still awake or something or still alive. And Alan basically says, you know, I might have to ask you to leave. And this is like the most we've seen Alan do in the book. It's, it's easy. It's hard for me to kind of sometimes differentiate Alan from the show. But mm-hmm. I feel
0: like Alan in the book hasn't done anything up to this point. Do you think that he's done a small enough amount to where like in these last two chapters, we might find out that he was involved somehow? Yeah. Oh, I could totally see him.
1: Yeah, he could be like, he, he could be complicit in some way. I suppose it would be truly surprising if it was like he's been behind it all along, like truly behind it. I feel like it's more like he, he might have helped because I can see him being just kind of wrapped around Adora's finger.
0: I think that's what I, I think. I think that's what I'm leaning towards as well. So you're
1: leaning towards, you're leaning towards an Alan reveal in the final two chapters.
0: Oh, no, I was just asking what you thought. I, I, think, that, I think that Alan will be revealed to have been involved, but I, don't, I think the mastermind is Adora.
1: So, Camille goes into Marion's room, and she sees this outfit laid out on the bed, and she sees that everything has been left the way it is. Now, we haven't actually, this hasn't happened yet in the show, right? Her going into Marion's room, and so I think it's going to be important.
0: I did note- Well, that uh, she, didn't we, haven't we seen it? I thought we'd seen it. We've seen her, like, looking at the bed and, like, picking up a picture. She, like, drops a picture in her bedroom, I thought, of Marion. Oh,
1: uh, maybe we did. Yeah. Yeah maybe yeah maybe we did so but the 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 detail that i that jumped out at me is that there's dolls in this bedroom 20 of them they say mm-hmm. and then camille basically flees the room and so there's a lot of doll stuff as we talked about and there's a lot of the implication that the removing of the teeth might be to make them might make the girls look more like dolls cuz dolls don't have teeth in their mouths usually yeah. so I don't know, it's, it's, whenever I hear dolls, I, you know, I perk up because I'm like, that's my theory behind the, the reason behind this, the serial killer's, uh, weird teeth obsession. So, uh, Camille calls Curry and reports about what she knows and about the biting. Curry's asking after her, uh, he seems to really care about her, and she says that whenever I'm here, I feel like a bad person. And then Curry ends, you know, ends the chapter by telling her a story, basically, just like a, you know, an anecdote or whatever that that she can just kind of relax and and make her feel better yeah i like curry curry's a good dude yeah so camille goes to i'm sorry chapter 12 camille goes to richard's house or place not house um she brings bourbon and he starts coming on to her and has some weird dirty talk is what i wrote down (laughs) um and then they go to have sex and she tells him that she likes it with her clothes on uh, they do have sex for the first time for her first time in ten years. she reveals,
0: and uh, she does say she enjoys it, even though it was very well, weird <laughs> so how how logistically does he not feel the scars? Like I don't know, shirt man. or anything like, <laughs> like if that's what she was worried about and that's why she kept her clothes on, how could that have possibly? not i don't know it's I like the
1: old it's like you always hear the old like uh the christian like the conservative christian way of like have have sex through the hole in a sheet <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i knew that dude i don't know you if i knew that, that was a thing that people said <laughs> yeah yeah it seems like he would he would notice something right like i don't know but maybe <laughs> yeah i don't know so afterwards they chat about the case and richard reveals that he believes it's john Keane. Um, or he, so he says, although later we learn that that maybe is a lie. Um, it starts raining. Camille goes out and sits in the car and it doesn't seem like she's feeling too great about what just happened. Uh, Alma shows up and, uh, while she's sitting in the car, kind of feeling sorry for herself. And she says, Hey, do you want to come party with, with us? And she's with these other kids that we've
0: seen a a bunch Camille at first is like no I don't want to but then she's like alright fuck it let's do it <laughs> for me like this is the most unbelievable part of the of the book and like I could be swayed into thinking that like I don't know it's not that bad it's not egregious but it's just like this was so she's like 30 something and she yeah. keeps being influenced and as we talk about this chapter more over and over and over by like 13 year old kids yeah and I just don't see yeah, it I, don't I get you
1: but I think the reason that I bought it is that We've seen we've been shown time and again how deeply damaged she is and how and how self-destructive she is. Mm -hmm. And we know that she has a history of, you know, uh, substance abuse. And I don't know, I just and we've seen her repeatedly put herself in situations where she's going to get hurt because she wants to learn more information Mm-hmm. so i can see her kind of like talking herself into it like oh i'll, I'll learn some 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 tr- some good info here they know what they know stuff that i don't know and right, then also like she's like fuck it i'll get drunk and then
0: like because she's that's how she is right like she's right. a substance abuser so that stuff i can i can get on board with and i agree with but it's like the inner monologue of her like looking at these 13 year old kids and being like oh i'm cool again and yeah I, that was a little like weird. dealing. i guess like i said i can i can i can get on board with it but it just feels weird because it's like i know that she had problems in the past like she's dealing with her history with the town and with people these this age and everything but the fact that she's like so and like enthralled by like these 13 the, his, her sister and like she talks about how some of the boys the the young 13 year old boys are looking at her weird and i don't i guess maybe some of them are a little bit maybe some of the boys and people they meet up with are a little older but, but yeah
1: you're right you're right she is a little bit old for this right like uh, as someone who is in my 30s now uh if you ever hang out with kids that age which i haven't much but like i used to be a substitute teacher and i would I'd be around them it is like there is no mistaking the huge age gap right But I guess
0: on the other side of the argument, I could you could say that these are super mature as far as the the story is concerned, these are really mature thirteen year olds. So
1: Yeah, mature mature
0: in a certain way, I guess. Right. I'm just saying like they've like life experience. It seems like they've you know, emotionally they may may still be thirteen years old, but they've they've like they're worldly thirteen year olds, I feel like. (laughs) Well you flip now. I was coming around to your
1: side. (laughs) No, no, no. no, I'm just saying like I want to be on I wanna
0: I wanna (laughs) say like I I do uh, um still feel that way but i was just gonna say that like they do they do seem like they're more mature than any 13 year old that i've ever met as far as like experiences fair enough so what so what happens is Amma goes along with them
1: they're passing around a bottle of rum and she notices uh one guy there seems to be a meth user ama busts out some oxycontin takes three of them which okay i get that she is like you know, has a lot of experience. She's been doing this before. It's not her first time. Um, also, we aren't told what the, what the dosage is. But the idea that she is a 13-year-old girl, probably weighs 100 pounds at most, and is popping three Oxycontin, drinking vodka or rum or whatever it is, pounding it back. Like, she should be unconscious. Like, this mm-hmm. is a, This is crazy. She's almost superhuman
0: in her ability to not be just a complete mess right now. Yeah. 13 is just so young. I just think if like, if the, if the age was changed to like 16 or 17, then I'd be like a little more, I'd be like, okay, well, if she started when she was 13 and did it for three or four years, then I could see somebody being able to take that three Oxycontin. But it just seems, I mean, I don't know anything about dosage of of Oxycontin either. Like, I don't know if that's a lot, but. Well, I used to be
1: on it. I I had a, you know, I was in a big car accident and I used to be on drugs like that for my pain, uh, which I'm off of now. But I do know enough about it to know that even at low dosage, doses, taking popping three and washing it down with alcohol, like as an adult male, that would be a rough, that would be a rough night. That's, yeah, not advised. <laughs> Let's just say that. And yeah. as a 13-year-old girl who, like I said, is probably 90 pounds or something like that, like, I just don't see it. But uh, and maybe that's why they aged her up in the show, right? She seems a little older in the show. Like She's more like 15 Although I don't mm. know. That's maybe just how she seems. They do repeatedly say that she seems a lot older. She's um, Camille calls her like a woman child and all this stuff. Right. Anyway, that's what happens. Camille does take one. She's offered and finally decides she'll, she'll take one, too, because she's in full like fuck it mode. And I think it's what the, the thing with Richard, like really seems to have set her down a spiral. Right. Like she feels dirty, I think, over it and feels like maybe he was just using her to, for sex or something. Um, it, it, this is not a moment where like they hook up and like now they're like all warm fuzzies and everything seems good. It's more like they hook up and everything gets worse. So they eventually arrive at this house party and there's a lot of debauchery going on at this house party. Uh, John shows up with, uh, Meredith and basically they get like taunted and, and told that they should leave. Then Amma pulls Camille upstairs and they go up onto this bed and they're having, they're playing this game where they're like passing a ecstasy pill to one another. And once again, Camille wants to turn it down and say no, but finally he's just like, fuck it, I'll do it anyway. And Ama passes her the pill like on her tongue and like shoves it down her throat so that she can't like, so that it dissolves. Yeah. It's a weird scene. <laughs> yep. And yeah, there's, you, you'd you mentioned how she, throughout this party, she's feeling like, oh, I'm kind of popular again. Look at these popular girls hanging out with me and all this stuff, right? And she knows that it's a fucked up thought to have in her defense. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not like just unabashedly feeling this way. She's like, I feel this way and that's stupid. Why do I feel this way?
0: Maybe the drugs are a factor as well at this yes, point. Yes.
1: And it seems like everything's kind of like making her feel happy. Um, and then we get the, the, the drug and scene. Ama pops an X2 and they go outside to the pool. And, uh, they have this conversation where Alma in, in Camille's mind, she keeps com- comparing Ama to Marion and she's feeling happy from the drugs. You know, it's just, it's, it's written in a, it's interesting because it's written in a way that reflects, I think the, uh, hallucinations and stuff. Right now, I've never done X, so I don't know, but I did think that it seemed like she wasn't that out of it. Like as, as out of it as they were, it wasn't like, I don't know, I guess I've just seen it in movies and stuff. I've always got the implication that you hallucinate way more than what we are getting here. But I don't know, like I said, I'm not one to talk, so who knows? Maybe maybe <laughs> someone else would be like, yeah, it's blown out of proportion in movies and it is more like this. I don't know. Anyway, the real interesting thing story-wise is all this conversation they have, right? And Ama and, and, and her keep talking about Adora. Ama talks about how... Talks about sex and like how she likes sex and all this stuff. And Camille's like, I don't, this this is bad. (laughs) Oh, Alma reveals that at the end of each day, she like writes down a grade for herself on like how cool she was that day
0: from like an A to F. And like, I don't know, that's an interesting thing to go through. It's another reason why I feel like that thing I was talking about before where she, she has like potentially has this like fake persona that she puts on because that feels very like, that's not, it doesn't, because we also hear that, like, she's mean to her friends on purpose. If, yeah. like, she's too... If she does something dumb, she'll be mean to them to, like, put them in their place and kind of even out the day. Yeah. And, like, it just seems like it's very... Like, it doesn't seem, like, pure evil. Like, she's not doing it out of evil intentions. She's doing it to, like, stay on top. It's, like, a survival thing, to me, is what it feels like.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you. And she does mention that she uh, is, she tested very, very smart and that she basically should be in, like, a different grade but did she cho- she didn't want to be um, so she she is not only precocious in the, like her experience but also her, she's very intelligent which makes sense i mean that makes sense for what we've seen from her she also talks about her need to hurt she says she loves to hurt she, <laughs> she needs to hurt i don't know it's like a compulsion mm-hmm. to her and also says that she loves camille and uh it seems like really fascinated with her scars and I wrote that to me, it's like she's this sadist who want, who enjoys hurting people. And then we have Camille who in, hurts herself, which I think makes them like a really interesting, almost
0: yin and yang pairing, right? Well, did you feel like Alma was also saying that she, I felt like she was almost saying like eventually she was going to graduate to hurting herself as well.
1: Did you get any of that? Like, I felt like she might have been like
0: saying that, like, she was so fascinated by the scars and she felt like eventually, like she, like, I felt like I could see her being like one day, maybe that is where I'll end up. See, I think, I thought it was more like she likes hurting so
1: much that she was fascinated by the idea of somebody who hurts themselves. Gotcha. Like, it's like, that's the easiest, like to her, that'd be like, she can just look at a person who's hurting themselves and get enjoyment out of that because she likes hurting yeah so i think she looks at camille and it makes her happy because she sees like evidence that she's hurting herself
0: yeah i think that's more interesting i like that more yeah but I, that's not how i got it in the scene okay um, fair but enough. but i do like that more
1: that that was where i was at because i just didn't yeah i don't know i don't see ama hurting herself but i do see ama liking the idea that camille hurts herself i guess yeah they actually spin around and then like
0: this part they, is insane by the way <laughs> yeah
1: they have this like crazy spin around thing and then like Camille tries to, like, touch her face, and then they fall and, like, bust themselves up really bad. Like, she, like, cracks her ankle on the ground. and I thought and, she was
0: going to be, like, bedridden for the rest of the book. Yeah.
1: They smack their head on the car, on the pavement, and, like, yeah, a, uh, Ama gets her chest all cut up, and it's, like, a really bad fall, apparently.
0: But they're all drugged up. They don't feel it. And right. then they're, like... But they're also... It's because they're, like, walking t- back to the house, right? Yeah. So they go back to the house, and... Uh, They talk more about
1: Adora and uh, Alma basically says Adora doesn't like either of us. And I don't know. I just wrote, I wrote Alma seems really guilty here with her talk about wanting to hurt. And Mm -hmm. so to me, I, you know, I think the other shoe that's going to drop at the end is Alma. I think Alma is actually the one who killed the girls, whether or not she's actually the one who, who, who got the who plied the teeth out. I don't know, but maybe because she's got the dollhouse she you know what I mean like she's I don't know I think it's Alma and then I think I think maybe the mother just was like helping her cover it up Adora was just helping her cover it up and then yes um you know we get into the whole thing with with Marion um which was my fear but also my theory early on was that she was had the Munchausen by proxy and yeah that's where we'll get into that um but yeah in this scene Alma climbs into bed with Camille even though Camille tells her not to and when Camille falls asleep, she has this dream about Marion coming and trying to tell her that it's not safe and that she needs to leave, uh, which is almost like a ma- ma- almost magical realism, like a little bit. Right. Like we I don't know. I get the sense that these these dreams can be interpreted as like Marion's spirit. She ha- she's had her. a couple of them, right? She's and it's yeah. whether
0: she's had a couple of dreams and I don't even think it's just Marion. I think there's like other other there's another dream where she has something about like Jackie saying get out of here or something or something. Well Somebody Jackie else. has told her
1: to her face a couple times that she should leave. Yeah. It's dangerous, yeah. I'm
0: not but sure. But yeah, I don't remember. That she
1: definitely has a few different dreams. She has a dream about her mother like attacking her early on. Maybe that's stuff what like really that. It's almost like a of. premonition or something, or her mm-hmm. subconscious just talking to her if you want to take it into
0: a less magical place. So I thought that from here on I thought that the book was going to take a dark turn and I thought that we were going to get just like Camille being out of commission and being like manipulated by adora the rest of the book basically and like right. i thought it was gonna be like a really sad ending where she like l- like loses herself to her mom or something i was like holy shit this is gonna get dark
1: <laughs> yeah we don't quite get that uh well we do uh, so I, I thought it was interesting i wrote this down Um apparently there are eyelashes left on the pillow where Amma slept that camille sees when she woke up and i wrote down like were these pulled out um is this supposed to be a hint that Amma is doing the same thing that we've seen medora do and that's pull her own eyelashes out or is it just like a like innocent, you know, sometimes eyelashes fall out kind of deal?
0: I definitely don't think it's just falling out. I don't know. But I also wonder if it's like, did Adora come in and like see that uh, Amma was there, move Amma into her bedroom and then leave eyelashes or something? Or
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, and we do see her plucking her own eyelashes quite a bit. But yeah, I don't know. I thought the implication from Camille at least was that it, the, they were Amas. But maybe she was wrong. The next day, Adora comes in and and she learns that ama has told adora that they got food poisoning together and adora is like turned into like has a completely different sort of persona on and it's her like caring mother persona and she comes in and she like wants to like take care of her although she is also being kind of vicious too like the way it's described the way she's like jabbing a thumb into a into her ankle wound and like all this stuff right mm-hmm. yanking her around poking her and the you know painfully but she's also like applying bandages and washing its areas out with like antiseptic and all this stuff too right so it's all kind of in the guise of like it's like she's being she's she is like being doctory towards her but she is also inflicting pain i guess is what i got out of it like and maybe even taking joy in it i don't know and then she tries to give her this pill what it ends with right and then we get this really interesting memory where she remembers that her mother used to always try and give her pills when she was a kid and that she would turn them down because she didn't like the way they made her feel. But she does take this
0: one. And this is full on like we we know that that's what happened at this point. We know like like Camille had had been thinking maybe she had been drugging her and poisoning her. And then this is like when she went right here, she basically puts it all together and she's like, Yeah. Well, I wrote down, Mar- my,
1: my, my Marian theory is alive and well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and more than that, it's thriving, right? Like, yeah, like well, you said, it's, like, it's this true. Is... Yeah.
0: It, it's I, I think it's completely, basically, at this point, proven.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it gets proven later, but um, at this point, I was just like, Hell yeah, I called it. <laughs> um, so Camille goes downstairs, and there's this weird thing where Alma's just sitting naked in front of her dollhouse. And they have this conversation about the blue pill, and Amma says that she takes. Sometimes she takes the blue pill. Sometimes she doesn't. But that Adora brings her friends in to look at you when you when you've taken it, and sometimes she fakes like she's taken it and just lays there. <laughs> and <laughs> this is really weird. It's like so I, weird. we still haven't got an explanation. Like who are the friends? Is what I wanted her to her ask. Fr- and, like, like I think it's Adora's friends, right? Like like the yeah. women from the like. Like who are the friends? Like specific, Give me names. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like, know. Like who has come in and just like, I don't know. And, and maybe this it's whole, just simple as just like, oh my daughter's sick. Let's you know. Oh look, she's sleeping in here. Like it could just be that. No. But I got the
0: implication more like it was like look it's like what a I've culty done. thing. Yeah, it's very like yeah. cult feeling. You know what? It I, like I think I said something about it in the first episode but it's i just want i think how i want this to end is just all of it to be like some under like i want it to be like hot fuzz where it's this underground <laughs> like neighborhood society the greater good exactly <laughs> and they're all doing this for the greater good <laughs> yeah of the town
1: yeah maybe that's gonna be the reveal at the end that's a good point and i actually had forgotten about this detail until i just read it because i was like oh yeah that was a really weird fucking thing to say yeah so camille thinks about how it's just like just like marion and this is when she officially thinks for the first time, Adora killed Marion and killed the killed the girls like this. is She's like Adora's behind it. So Adora then c- comes up and says, why are you dressed? And Camille basically has to like run out <laughs> and get in her car um, because Adora is wanting to just like baby her and give her more medicine and like, you know, go into full Munchausen's uh, by proxy mode here. Uh, but, but, but Camille escapes and she goes to see Jackie, uh, in, when she finally gets inside to talk to Jackie, uh, she sees Jackie taking pain pills, which I don't know, is interesting. Um, and Jackie kind of joking about how her drugs are really fun and that's why she takes them. And there's also like talk about whether or not it's all in her head, like the things she's taking the drugs for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is, is Gillian Flynn trying to say something here? Like i with think all this so oxycontin and stuff now it is it is famously a big problem in the south especially like well
0: yeah everywhere i think it's just like people use prescription yeah. pills in general and it's it's like it's become so normalized because it is prescribed to you because the doctor gives them to you people there's people that can't function without it you know what i mean there's yeah. people that wake up every morning take one and then just are looped up all day and that's like how they exist it's just with well all yeah the time.
1: and and also sometimes they just take them to feel normal uh, just like right. you know just like alcoholics who have to have a drink to feel normal i guess i
0: should say that i don't want to say anything bad about people who actually need the medication uh because it's like if you're seeking help and you need that medication then then that's fine but i'm just saying like people who abuse it to the point that that's their existence is just being purely high all the time yeah yeah and and i think maybe it's just like another detail about how fucked up
1: people are and how our society is maybe like in and how drug use and abuse is more common than we like to think and how people like to ignore like you said prescription drugs because that's like legit it was prescribed by a doctor but then we see someone like
0: jackie who is clearly abusing it right yeah and w- they're prescribed and people don't understand that like a lot of prescription pills can be way worse so uh jackie
1: is telling telling uh, camille about their grandmother who the mother adora who would used to lick adora which is really like, there's so many just gross weird details yeah, and there's this so one, many
0: props to Gillian Flynn for coming up with these This one went really far too because she talked about and I thought this one was, I, I thought it was gonna be even more disgusting than it is But she talked about after getting a sunburn like when your skin was peeling She said something about like licking her and then right after that said something about she used to pull her skin off in strips Yeah, I thought that she was gonna be like licking the skin and off of her and shit. Like yeah. I was like <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah It's pretty gross so Jackie also says that their grandfather who was absent all the time was a lot like Alan and Camille has this moment of like, I don't know. It's just, there's such a strong cyclical, like this is all just a continuation of things that have gone on before. I don't know. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a non, when we talked about this in it, like it's a non, it's like a non-supernatural version of the, of the cyclical nature of Pennywise. Right. Um, And it's like, you look at it as this more like authentic thing where it just keeps going on and on and on. And you could maybe say that Camille's like pain and trauma is over the fact that she's trying to like break free of it and how difficult it is right to Mm -hmm. not just follow in her mother's footsteps and become the next Adora. Oh, there's an interesting thing here where, where Jackie says that when Adora had Camille and had a baby of her own, that that killed Joya, who's the grandmother and uh because joya i guess didn't like adora having her own thing like she wanted to have control over her so we see a lot of this like controlling behavior right and then jackie also says that adora devours people she says that adora is sick and that camille needs to leave wind gap and that's kind of where they end their conversation and in chapter 13
0: i love that she said that she's sick and she's and and what she has is contagious Oh, yeah, that's that's exactly what you were saying is is like the idea that that Camille easily could have become the next Adora. Yeah, and maybe Amma is becoming the next Adora.
1: So in chapter 14, uh, she goes to a bar again, meets with John Keane. And she's sitting there across from him, talking to him, and she tells him, you never get over losing a sister, which is a line we already got in the show. But this comes pretty late here in the book. In a quite different way, the scene plays out. uh, Her and John go to a hotel and uh have sex. When they do, uh John sees her scars which she reveals to him, um probably because they're just both so damaged. And it seems like John's in this really like dark place, like maybe considering suicide and all this stuff. He seems to like really accept her for who she is, scars and all. And this is a much more positive uh encounter than what we got with Richard, right? And I'm wondering, like I'm truly wondering if this is going to happen in the show or if we're going to get this scene with Richard instead. 'll be that'll be interesting to see
0: there's something interesting about Richard is that she he, she always talks about like how this is not her typical type he doesn't really match what she normally goes for and I feel like she's she's damaged and she seeks out these people who are damaged throughout the town and I, I think I talked about it last episode where it seems like she, she's just bonding with all the broken people and she can she, anybody who seems like they're not the cookie cutter person from from uh, this town is somebody that she like admires and uh, and then this guy John is is similar to her. He's more broken, and and Richard just isn't. So I don't know if it's like something to do with that, where it's like she 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 fully revealed all her scars and really like revealed herself to this kid that she knew even less than than Richard. And maybe it's yeah. because he was so broken. I think you're right for
1: the book, um, but I I just think in the the show version of Richard. They have set up with his whole like backstory of how he volunteered in an animal shelter and he got fed up with seeing all these hurt animals and he wanted to go out and do something about it. To me, he's being set up as a character who absolutely would see her scars and accept her. And I can see this scene being given to him in Mm -hmm. the show. Now, Um, I will say that I I I
0: think that that would play better. Like, I felt like this was a weird scene. It made like I got it but it just didn't really feel in line with a lot of the rest of the stuff. Did you feel like it was kind of out of place? I don't No, not really. Because, because Richard in the book is
1: not that character. Richard in the book is kind of shitty. And so for her to have this connection with John, it made more sense to me. Um, yeah. I think the book is like, it's almost messier to have it be like, you know, she's involved with two different men you know and that she's getting different things out of each one of them and richard is not as likable in the book and he wants certain things out of her whereas it was more like two damaged people like
0: commiserating with each other was that's what i, what I was gonna say and john yeah is it more um, of her using him for sex because they were they felt like a bond and it's there's not much because after she leaves we can tell that it's like there isn't really that much there it was basically I, just. Well, sex. I
1: don't know. She felt like there had this conversation where jo- where she's like, "Yeah, now in the full light of day, things are going to be different." And John says something like, "I it doesn't have to be like that." I don't. I felt like there was something more to it than that.
0: And she goes, "Yeah, me too. I think or, you know I what I feel like, like she didn't believe that though. I thought she he's yeah, like a kid, well, so I felt like she was kind of just saying like,
1: "I think it is. I think it is like kind of like." Uh, unclear and maybe she doesn't know how she really feels she does feel bad because she's a lot older than him but the only reason that i thought she was even thinking that way is because she has some genuine feelings because like if she didn't have any genuine feelings she probably wouldn't care whereas if she does have some genuine feelings i can see her being like but should i be pursuing them because he's so much younger than me because she's like 10 years older than him or something like that right i don't know it's just it's 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 interesting and it feels like it's messier and i feel like it it is sort of empowering in a meta way in my opinion to have a a female protagonist have sex with two different men you know what i mean because that goes against convention where we want to see her fall in love and have sex with the one guy who's going to be kind of her savior right and so as much as i feel like the show might be heading that direction i don't really know what's necessarily better i Mm -hmm. just think it might be more palatable
0: i think now that you say that though um with the way this book is, I, I agree with you. I like it that it's messy, right? I, like I want right. it to feel like I feel like the book kind of kind of exemplifies her as well. like i think yeah. like, I think that if it was as clean as as her just having the one guy, I think it simplifies the story for the show so that they can explore other stuff. but i do I do like it now that you say that that it is kind of just like it's not the norm. So I think that it, it like kind of adds something,
1: yeah, I don't know. It will be really interesting to see how the show handles it. Right then, Chief Vickery, ba- Vickery bangs on the door, and there's this really funny moment where they're both, like, getting dressed and trying to act casual, <laughs> and, um, they, like, trying to like, he's, like, trying to stand away from the bed, uh, John, and pretend like nothing's been going on, and uh, they open the door, and Vickery's there with Richard, and Richard is clearly, like, upset by what he sees, right? Like, he gets jealous, and, but they, he doesn't say that, but you can tell. They mentioned that Adora called it in and basically said that she had just dis- gone and like fled in the middle of the night and they, you know, was worried about her. Camille basically says like, it's not what it looks like, you know, like that line um, just den- denies it. Right. And I don't know, which I think is like almost silly because it's super obvious. <laughs> so after afterwards, um, she gives John a ride and he tells her that she saved him. He thinks that he might have basically might have killed himself if, if they hadn't hooked up. So it's it seems like it's it was meaningful to him at least, right? And, and at least a little bit meaningful to her. Yeah. So she does eventually go talk to Richard again and lies about John, says she didn't have sex with him. And she tries to come on to him. And this scene was weird.
0: Like she tries to come on to Richard and he has to like tell her no. Well, she said um, that she and she also mentioned how she was like defaulting. It was like a default thing for her. Yeah. To like, like kind of like ways. win back somebody's affection. Right. Make them feel important.
1: Yeah, so even though it was weird, it also kind of felt accurate for this character. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. So Camille then goes back next to see Katie, and they have this kind of like sh- like interesting conversation where uh, they're talking about Anne and Natalie, and talking about how they didn't need a reason to strike out that they were just like that. the uh, The talk shifts to Ama, who Katie says rules the school with her bullies, her bully friends. And um, she bullies her friends. <laughs> and then she talks about how Adora took interest in them and would come and watch them at the playground, which is kind of like a weird detail, like Adora, the idea that Adora would come and watch these two girls play. Um, there was a detail that I wanted to point out I thought was cool. It was uh, when, it, when, when Camille's first walking through the house, she's looking at all the pictures that are hung up and she notices that all the pictures are, are like of the girls outfits and not of their faces. Which, and extrapolating out the idea that maybe Katie is more obsessed with like appearances than like actually caring about the person, mm-hmm. um, and, and just this kind of like it's a very small detail, but I just think is 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 another moment of like that stuff wows me when I read that stuff from from authors. Like that's the stuff that I go wow, this person really knows how to tell to take a detail and have it mean so much but then they kind of get in this argument where katie's asking her about you know the cop and 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 then uh camille's playing it off as rumors and then katie also reveals that she knows about john and about her sleeping with john and, and camille denies that as well and then at the end katie tells her that she stinks uh which i thought was very reminiscent of what we get from adora in the show Um, which at least so far we haven't actually gotten that scene at least where they specifically like you smell bad kind of thing Uh, you smell ripe which is what it is in the show Um, so I don't know I thought that was interesting that it's it's this Katie woman who who gets this scene
0: I think it's a lot of we in the scene before she meets her she like had covered herself in in like like whatever like lotions and other things to make herself smell better because she'd been up all night and everything And I think it was her way of saying, because she denied to Katie that she had sex with John, this was her, like Katie's way of saying, like, you stink, go take a shower. Like, you've been up all night, clearly. Like, I think it was her way of saying, like, you had, you're lying. You're lying. I know you had sex with him.
1: All right. So, chapter 15 Camille's taking a bath, and her mother comes in and wants to know where she was last night. Um, And we get a lot of this, like, Adora being kind of creepy (laughs) and just, like, looming um, because we suspect her so strongly now. Amma comes into her bedroom to taunt her about having sex with a baby killer, and she seems pretty upset by this. Um, Camille is able to flee the house, though, and she goes to a hospital uh, to find records about Marion, because she wants proof. And what she does find is that a nurse left this little note about how she believed that Marion was being poisoned by the mother. Uh, The nurse's name is Beverly, by the way, which... Maybe, in a, is that a reference to Beverly Marsh? I don't know. <laughs> um, so the nurse says that uh, she was nearly fired over making that note and calls it Munchausen's by proxy, gives it a name and everything. And she said that the mother is making the child ill to get attention and says that the, the, the disease has been popularized these days. But back in the 80s, it was a different time and a lot of people didn't know about it. Um, and basically confirms that there was like a cover up by the hospital, um, probably because Adora is like so powerful in the town, right? And Camille starts crying about it and is like overcome with the idea that, that her mother killed Marion, rightfully so. And uh, the the nurse tells her, warns her to get out before you know, you know, get out while you, while she can. And oh, she also reveals that Richard, the detective, has co- has come in in the past and asked for these same records. Now, this so, for me, this yeah. was like a cool moment,
0: yeah, where I was like, okay, so he had been doing his due diligence and not just thinking it was John Keane.
1: Yeah, and and this is where Camille realizes that he's known this, and so well at first she's just upset. She also then gets angry, so she goes to find Richard, and she's angry with him when she find when she finds him, and you know, basically accuses him of knowing all this and not telling her. And Richard admits that he's been investigating her mother. And this is where he kind of reveals that her, his initial relationship with her was just to get more information, but then it turned into something more. Um, and then he he tells her that they're going to search the place tomorrow, but that that she needs to just act normal because she, he doesn't want her to give away anything. And he, he thinks that they're going to find the teeth in the house. And this just feels very like... I don't know. This just seems like bad procedure to me. Like, I don't know if I believe this. First off, he's telling her, like, you're, yeah, we think the person you're with is a serial killer. Now you just go act normal around them now that you know that. And then second off, like, why wouldn't they just raid the house tonight? Like, as soon as they know, like, why give her more time to potentially destroy evidence or, or come well, on? I you mean, know what I mean?
0: i feel like warrants right they might have they might have been pending a warrant to to get into the Maybe. house they did he say just... that
1: though I, I like i wish he had said that because yeah. i guess that does like you can just go like yeah fuck it i've been trying to get a warrant and we're waiting for approval and it's going to come through tomorrow or whatever like that makes more sense to me than
0: just for no reason we're just going to wait for tomorrow uh, like, yeah. just go
1: spend one last night there and, like sends yeah. her off which i was like oh man this isn't well, gonna go well and then
0: he and then he goes one step further right and she says like he she 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 gave me a pill or something i think she's drugging me and poisoning me he's like yeah he's like shit you should have told me that we could have taken a sample and gotten that earlier and then basically just says like continue as as usual and kind of like tells her and then that's camille's like basically telling camille to just like take whatever she gives her hopefully she survives and then when they raid the place he doesn't
1: tell her to do that
0: but she decides
1: to do that uh we learn later so she goes back to the house, and they there's like this weird dinner being laid out, right, of ham dinner, and she sits down, and they eat, and Alma's talking, and Alma asks her who her favorite princess is or favorite fairy tale, I forget, and um, Camille says that hers is Sleeping Beauty, and like in her mind she's like, I wish I could sleep forever, mm-hmm. which is a very like depressed person thing to say, and Alma says that it, hers is Persephone. She'd want to be Persephone.
0: Now, this is a callback to somebody reading about um, Greek gods or something, right?
1: Oh, I don't remember that. I thought I remember
0: some, like, I thought I remember Amma reading about, like, Greek gods or something like that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm missing Yeah, no, you're probably right. So I wrote,
1: Amma is so guilty here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I just don't, I feel like Amma is guilty as fuck. She mentions how she wants John to die even if he didn't do it. They're talking about like the death penalty and all this stuff, and she says basically he's ruined now, so he should just die. Yeah,
0: um, and Camille's like, "Then I should die too."
1: Yeah, and she's like, "No, but I like you." And they have this conversation about why would you why would you want to be Persephone? She basically says that Persephone was this girl who would go and like live among the dead for like half the year, and then she'd come back up to the surface, and people would judge her based off of the fact that she like li- lived among the dead. And for whatever reason, Amma identifies with this, right? And I don't know, to me, this is like, this is almost Amma confessing here. This is like Amma saying that she, I don't know, she she killed somebody, I think. I think Amma's the one who strangled huh. the girls, but that's... I mean, that's, I, I could totally see theory. that
0: happening. But for me, it felt like she was saying like the two personality thing. Like she was yeah. saying like she has one life where she's with her friends and she's completely herself or whatever. And then she has another side where she has to like live a disguised appearance or disguised like personality in front of Adora.
1: Yeah, I can see that. So Adora finishes up the dinner by getting these going and fetching two drinks herself, which is very telling because uh, she never does that. And she says, Camille and I will finish this in our in my room It takes Camille up into her room and tells a story about her mother used to take her out into the woods. Adora's telling the story and leave her in the and leave her there. and, And she'd have to, like, walk back or she did that once. That was when Adora first knew that her mother didn't care for her. And Adora says, I wanted to love you, so let me take care of you. And uh Camille basically says, I did need you. Um and the scene ends kind of mysteriously, and we learn later that Camille did drink did drink this poison that she had. Um I wanted this scene to last a little longer. Um, yeah, it felt I, quick I, I wa- to me too. It felt in in, in it's interesting because this is I mean, like I we've heaped a lot of praise on Gillian Flynn, and I do think well deserved. But This is something that I've noticed in reading a lot of like other students work is that really powerful, important scenes can sometimes get rushed because um, it's hard to write about them sometimes. And it's like such an important scene. It's so dramatic, so big. And like, I I feel like there can be a a tendency to rush them. And I don't know. I just wanted I wanted to like linger in this this because she finally lets her into the ivory room right and they're having this conversation it seems like a lot of stuff's going to come out and then it's all over like it goes really fast
0: yeah i don't know i I want to know more i get what you're saying and i kind of agree but i think that the author also might be saying this is important but as camille's experience is going to be right here it's going to be it's going to feel short because she was drinking the poison with her or something but i i know what you mean like you wanted to like her to like notice details in the room and like kind of think back and I, i i get that but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's intentional. I felt like it was a little intentional, at least. Do you think? Do you think that she was like, I'm gonna write a shorter scene, or do you think that she just like, you felt you feel like she didn't put enough attention into it? I mean, who am I to
1: judge what Gillian Flynn did? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I fully fully accept that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just all I can say is that, in my opinion, I wanted a little more from the scene, not because the scene wasn't good as it was, but because it was such a it has so much dramatic potential Mm -hmm. that I wanted to linger there a little bit more. I I felt like, so it was almost like I I thought there was a slight opportunity missed there to have this really incredible scene that could have just lasted
0: a little bit longer. I felt some of that too. Uh, And then the next chapter as well is pretty quick.
1: Yeah, so the next chapter is is very short. Um, We see Camille in bed at the start of this next chapter. Her mother comes in, coaxes her to the bathroom, and Camille's just vomiting her guts out. And Adora's feeding her pills, and Camille's just kind of, like, letting Adora take care of her. And we don't know why, right? We're just like, what the fuck? Has she been caught up in this web? You know, what's going on here? And we see that Adora has plucked all of her eyelashes out. Camille actually finds it a little bit flattering that her mother's just, like, taking care of her. And so, yeah, this whole, this whole like, little brief scene here is very scary, because it's like, oh, shit, what is what is going on? Camille's completely under her spell. Then next, she wakes up to screaming. And she goes out of her bed and she sees Richard's there. And this is the next day. Her mother is somewhere distantly, just like wailing about, you know, like, how dare you come into my house and do this and all this stuff. And for the first time, Richard sees her scars. And he's just like blown away by seeing it, right? Like, what? It, oh my God, what? You know, you, you, you're a cutter. And she says, I cut words. And she feels kind of numb to it all. She wants to know why her mother's screaming. And she asked, did you find something? And Richard basically says, not yet. And asks if she's okay. She says she's sick and that she took the poison. And we it's revealed that he, he, she's like, you can, you can test it. And she's been taking the poison to, like, make herself, like, a physical evidence of what's going on. And so then we find out in almost like a police report sort of way that they have all these different poisons they found in the mother's ma- medicine cabinet. Um... And all of them were also found in Camille's stomach. So she did, like, that's, like, the proof that she is trying to poison her.
0: And a lot of them were used, were, like, farm-related. Like, a lot of them were, like, for farm, like, I guess medicine you would give to, like, livestock. Yeah. And so
1: then we also find this, they also found this journal in which Adora basically talks about how she likes taking care of Marion over Camille because Camille is not a good patient. And talks about how uh, Marion like lets her take care of her basically, and so we see this like evidence of the of the Munchausens by proxy. She mentions the the nurses being jealous. There's talk about this doctor that she's flirting with, and then uh, all of a sudden she one time mentions that Marion died. Says that she like could basically couldn't like help herself, and then says but everyone is being so kind, and so we talked about this early on like the idea that she just wants attention and she loves the idea of everyone feeling sorry for her. Um, and then we get the detail that they do find pliers, which is like the most damning evidence. Right. Um, and Camille has this like fantasy where she imagines Adora throwing all the teeth out the window of her car and like burying them in the rose bushes and all this stuff. But the pol- and she tells the police to search all these areas, and the police don't find the teeth, and that's where we end this chapter because the police have yet to find the teeth, and I think that's the, the telling detail that says there is something else going on here. The the other shoe is going to drop, you know. Yep. So that that's the end of the chapters we've read. Where do you, what did you think about this last little bit, and where do you, where do you think we're headed?
0: Well, it was crazy because uh, honestly, like, had the teeth been found, the book is over, right? Yeah like you could wrap it pretty neatly and just blame everything on Adora but i love that it's like it's like a slow fall here like we like she's she's definitely caught in doing something but now it's going to be whittling down what why exactly what exactly happened and i don't know i think i think there is definitely a lot of weight to the ama theory that you have um, but i could see i could see something else happening too but it just feels to me with all the character development of ama for there not to be a payoff like like you're saying uh, yeah. Would be would be pretty surprising, but who knows? Yeah, I mean it's. I feel like it's either amar or Alan. I think yeah. we're
1: down to those two. Like this, it's all caught up in this family, and maybe it's both. Maybe it's like the whole family was behind all this shit. Maybe. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's where we're at. I'm gonna be really interested to see. To I, first off, I'm gonna be interested to watch how this all plays out in the show. Like it's so cool that I get to kind of like relive this before we get the final reveal yeah um so so our next episode we should say is going to be on uh episodes five six and seven of the tv series and then we'll put out an episode reacting to that but saving the finale and then our last episode the week after will be the finale and the last two chapters which i'm gonna read the chapters first and then watch you're gonna watch and then read the chapters right yep so we'll see how that all plays out um very excited
0: for that like this this story has been just been so cool to me really really interesting such a fun ride and i i want to do more mysteries this is i I just have a lot of fun with them so we've we put a we put a poll up to our patrons to try and figure out what our next
1: project's going to be and it's been whittled down all the way to two but it was a tie in our in votes so i've taken it over to twitter and we'll talk i want to talk about that and reveal what those two
0: titles are um but i'm going to save it for the very end of the episode Sounds good. This week, we want to thank one of our patrons, Myla J. She's a $10 patron. And we just want to say thank you again uh, for supporting us through this project and through the foreseeable future. We really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and all our patrons, we appreciate you guys so much. Yeah, if you want to learn how to how to become a patron and what we're offering, patreon.com forward slash ink to film.
0: Also, if you wanted to connect with us online anywhere, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those at ink to film. And we're active on there. Again, Luke just posted a poll. So uh, you can potentially influence our future projects. Yeah, if you listen to this episode soon enough, I think it's a 24-hour poll. I posted
1: it midday today. So uh, tomorrow it'll at least run through through midday. So hop on there quick if you want to vote. Um, we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, also, if you would like to reach out for us, you can always send us an email, inktofilm at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this project. Uh, let us know who you think is behind it all. If you, if you haven't got there,
0: uh, just don't spoil us. But yeah, definitely reach out. If you wanted to help out the podcast, you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts, and that would really help to get our podcast out there. Yeah,
1: we're we're getting we're at 38, which I, I should have told you earlier. I saw we got some new ones. Um we're getting so close to 50. Like I really want to get the 50 reviews, it would be awesome. So yeah, if you've been waiting to do it, if you've been holding out, now's the time. <laughs> and we want to say thank you to Ross
0: Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music.
1: All right, man. So on Twitter, I posted the poll. It is between Coraline by Neil Gaiman and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Um, what is your experience with those projects, just real quick? And and do you, are, do you have any preference? Are you leaning in a certain way? I mean,
0: I have a preference. Do you think I should actually say it though? You do have a preference? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> just because I wanted to be a vote, I wanted to be a, a t- I wanted to be a true vote. Okay, but I mean, history with them, uh, Coraline. It's a great movie. Uh, I haven't read the book. Neil Gaiman's great, though. I really enjoy him. And then Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I read the Chronicles of Narnia growing up. I think I've read all of them, um, but classic f- fantasy for me that I've read growing up, and, uh, and I've seen the movie as well.
1: Man, I, um, I, I actually similar. I think I've, I have read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, it was read to me as a kid by my mother. Um, so I have a fondness for that, for sure, that I'd love to talk about. Um, I've seen the movie. So it would be interesting to visit that, revisit that. Uh, Coraline, I've seen the movie, really enjoyed it. Haven't read the book, but I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. I, I you know, I, I read The Ocean at the End of the Lane for one. It was really good. So either way, I think it'll be it'll be cool to get back to fantasy because these yeah. are two fantasy projects, and we haven't done that in a little while. So. Either way, we'll be happy, right? It sounds like it sounds like uh, we'd enjoy either project. So yeah, yep. make sure you, you, you go find us on Twitter. That's, you know, at Ink to Film and vote on that poll if you, if you listen to this episode soon enough. But thank you so much for, for being here for all this. And we hope you'll join us for the next two episodes about Sharp Objects. Uh, until then, I'm Luke. And I'm James. See ya.